Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amused podcast. I am Stani. And I am Sadie, and thank you for being here, joining us. I am very excited about our topic of the day. Me too. This one's fun. And it kind of like fell into our laps yeah, in a way, which is really cool. So I had never heard of this before. Had you? No, not until like you had messaged me about it. So I was looking at, I was creating a list of possible books for our new like book club type thing that we're doing Mm -hmm. on Amazon. So I was like saving a bunch of them because when you save a book to a list, it brings up like people also bought like all the recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many books out there about like feminism and the arts and music and everything else. And I ran across multiple different books that kept mentioning Riot Girl. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what is this? And then I think I saw it like a couple more times after that. Mm -hmm. two like all within one week and I was just like what the heck like it's haunting me isn't that what I told you I was like this is haunting me it keeps popping up everywhere those words yes yeah (laughs) and so I knew we needed to do it and then after reading this I realized there's a few places I've seen it mentioned before but I hadn't connected have you seen the movie 10 things I hate about you yeah with Julia Uh Stiles and Heath Ledger Mm -hmm. so the music she listens to is Riot Girl okay yeah and like the concerts and they talk about her like listening to angry feminist music and she's in seattle which is where it all started so it absolutely would be yeah it was right around that time period wow that's cool i even with all the research i didn't make that connection yeah i kept thinking about it i was like i swear like i think it's included (laughs) so pretty cool and it's a really interesting time in history. So also, yeah. like, so Stani created a playlist of yes. Riot Girl music. So she sent it to me while I was finishing up research, and so I just was like listening to it as I was reading about it, and I was like, man, I do feel pretty empowered actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel a little bit of, I feel angst, I feel anger, and I feel empowered. Like, I feel like this music is accomplishing its goal. Oh, definitely, and much effort went into that playlist. <laughs> I went through a Rolling Stones top Riot Girl songs, and then I looked at a, a playlist curated by um, Slater Kenny, who we'll talk about, who's a Riot Girl band. Yeah. So they created a playlist, and then I added in a couple of other ones too. So I will share it because I wanted to make sure I was listening to the songs that everything we were reading about was talking about. Totally. I went and intentionally typed them all in. (laughs) Yeah. And I think once I like listened to it, because I did a lot of research before, but then I listened to it and I was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. this is what this is. You know, it it helped a lot to hear the the reference or the context I guess for all the research we were doing no definitely hard to talk about a music movement without listening to the music music. go figure definitely include it yeah before we start talking about our topic though I have to make a announcement about my life so the time this comes out today is July 26th if you're listening on the day it came out on July 23rd I released a song and you should listen to it. Yes, you should. You should listen. I'm so insanely proud of it. And Stani did the cover art. So not only will you be supporting me, but you'll be supporting her. It's so good. Everyone, like, just go take a minute. Go listen to it. It's so good. It's phenomenal. I love it. I get it stuck in my head all the time. So, you know, it's called Hopelessly Devoted to You. It is, it is yes, from Greece. But I only kept the lyrics. It's a completely different Mm -hmm. arrangement, different vibe, different everything. And you all know me as Sadie. I've released it under the artist named Daisy, which is D-A-S-I-E, 
which is mm-hmm. kind of like Sadie. Just switch a couple letters around and that's what you got. Mm-hmm. What do they call it when it's like all the same letters but in a different arrangement? There's a fancy name for that, isn't it's it? It's an anagram for my name and I'm mm-hmm. pretty stoked on it. Yeah, it's really good. Like the original Hopelessly Devoted to You by Miss Olivia Newton-John is, of course, iconic, but course. it's more of like a theater power ballad yeah. kind of deal. And I feel like yours is like a pop ballad. It's moody pop ballad. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's so good. Like I'm a stoked. completely modern take. If they were to release Grease today with would like have to Sandy driving away alone at the end then yours would be the song. <laughs> Mine would be the song. Yes. That's what I was saying. Like I made an Instagram post and I was like, I vote for an alternate ending of Grease where Sandy shows up hot and then she just leaves. She just leaves Danny. Yeah. And then she runs I away agree. with Frenchie because we love a beauty school dropout. That is my we ideal do. version of Grease. So I agree. What a shame. <laughs> so yeah, check it out if you're interested. I hope you're interested. I'm really stoked on it. And like, there's been so many people where I'll like send them the pre-save link. Cause like, Oh, what was that link again? And then they responded like, okay, great. By the way, that cover. And I'm like, I know, I know. Oh, that's so nice. So <laughs> you cool. should know, Stani. There's so many people who are like, that cover is amazing. I'm like, I know, I know. I love it. It's so fun. We used an image from Sadie's yearbook. We did. <laughs> okay. Let's just talk about the pettiness that um i just completely embraced (laughs) with this tie with this is yeah it was stani's idea because i told her i was like i want it to be like yearbook meets like polaroid is that what i told you something like that That kind of you were you told me a lot how you were like kind of leaning into like the high school references for greece and like kind of like a yearbook vibe with like polaroids or something Mm -hmm. you know like scrapbooky scrapbooky that's what it was sort of yearbook signature scrapbook like that was the Mm -hmm. vibe that I wanted and then she's like do you have your old like high school yearbook and I was like probably thank goodness I live at my mom's house so it was great I just got to go right (laughs) upstairs found it in an old box of all my old stuff took a bunch of pictures Stani sent me back something it Uh might feature my high school boyfriend's name on the cover also features mine it also features Stani. (laughs) (laughs) so if you want to read the very tail end of what i wrote to sadie in her yearbook very nice (laughs) i mean i guess though i should mention the funny thing is it's it's my it's technically my boyfriend's name on the cover but it's not his signature it was just another Mm -hmm. person that happened to say share the same name which just makes it even more petty and funny in my opinion it's really funny no thoroughly enjoy it i laughed out loud when you (laughs) sent it to me and i was like well i have to there's just no other choice (laughs) so so it's fine everything's fine Uh, yeah no it's great so if you went to high school with us then you can go see if you ended up being featured on it because wow there's a fun thing good luck (laughs) cool well enough about me but listen to my song please (laughs) yeah go listen to it stream it over and over and over again and over add it to your playlist okay well riot girl yeah let's talk about it oh to kind of set the scene yes so i googled when punk music started Mm -hmm. because i was trying to like figure out the frame of reference for this um and punk began in like the 1970s and it was focused on like the anti-authoritarianism anti-fascism anti-corporatism the do-it-yourself ethics anti-consumerism anti-corporate greed and like the idea of not selling out which i feel like could be a whole other podcast on like the concept of what it means to sell out but anyway they like tried to be like deliberately offensive that's where like leather jackets dark martin boots um brightly colored hair mohawks yeah and it was also kind of very like underground satirical um and all that jazz i feel like punks become such a normal part of our pop culture yeah that it's important to remember that there was a time when it was a complete underground subculture and scene Mm -hmm. that wasn't a normal thing like not everyone owned a leather jacket and a pair of doc martens 
that was yes. nothing. Now Whereas that's now, like a, that, that's a staple in a lot of our wardrobes. Yes, exactly. So it's interesting to realize how kind of like mature the punk era had began before Riot Girl entered the scene in the 1990s. Because mm-hmm. um, it kind of goes to show that like I read a lot about how um, even though punk was focused on being like stick it to the man like anti subculture kind of movement anti they ended up yeah. yeah they ended up kind of becoming a part of the general misogynistic views of the world over time anyway mm. and that's why the riot girl movement formed was because punk was supposed to be the safe haven for the outcast which means that it should appeal to marginalized groups right yeah for Um, the LGBTQ movement and for women and people of color like they should have felt at home in like the whole point of the genre and the culture was it's for the outcasts were against the big man but then somehow punk had become like this place where women especially didn't feel safe anymore and that's kind of what propelled the riot girl movement into full force was this idea that the punks had kind of sold out and gone back to their misogynistic roots instead of being inclusive for everyone. Very yeah. funny how, I don't know, I feel like that can happen with start out with, you know, I don't know, like goals and ideas. And it's like, you just got to be careful that you're not perpetuating same societal things that you're trying to resist exactly no and it's just kind of weird i feel like it happens a lot where like subculture doesn't really work in a lot of ways because i feel like everyone feels like an outcast to the point that eventually it just gets pushed into regular pop culture yeah like it becomes popular to the point where it kind of dissipates into just normal like it's kind of like in the early 2010s when there were hipsters and then all of a sudden, everyone was listening to Lumineers and Mumford and Sons. And wearing <laughs> and, plaid. And, and that was the popular thing. It wasn't yeah. the subculture anymore. To mm-hmm. Everyone wanted the indie record that's much cooler than mine, to quote <laughs> Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. Well, like, everyone feels different. Everyone wants to be different. Everyone feels like an outcast. They feel like they don't fit in. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you could talk to a single person and they'd be like, oh, I'm completely normal. I always <laughs> fit in perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I have no weird interests. Everyone feels different and unique. And I think that's what makes subculture so popular. Mm-hmm. But in the end, that kind of ends up being what erases them as well. So, yeah. That. That kind of sets the stage for the beginning of the Riot Girl movement. It originated, what, in the early 1990s. So mm-hmm. after punk, pop punk had been around for a while, kind of like you mentioned, it had its time to hold true and it's, you know, patriarchal pillars. It's fine. And there was a group of women from Olympia, Washington, and they held a meeting about sexism in their local punk scenes, which I thought was just like cool that it really just like started from women just talking about it. Mm-hmm. And like side note is that's what I really love about just that the riot girls is like so much of what they did and what this movement is is really just women talking about the things that they're experiencing and then creating opportunities for themselves and giving themselves platforms to speak on it to you know giving themselves stages to perform and I feel like that's such a cool empowering thing that they were able to do and so Mm -hmm. the fact that it literally just started out like as a meeting Right. Or I mean, I don't know exactly how formal the meeting was or what that looked like. But, you know, it was just them talking about the local their local punk scene and their experiences within it. No, definitely. And I love the name, like the meaning behind it is Mm -hmm. so powerful. So uh, I know we're saying Riot Girl. So you probably think it's spelt regular, but it's actually spelt G-R-R-R-L. Yeah. Or they said either two R's or three R's is fine. Yeah. But they used the word girl intentionally to focus on childhood, which is when children have the strongest self-esteem and belief in themselves. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's so true. Yeah. We've talked about that, too. mm -hmm. You feel so powerful when you're a kid. So I love that. And then they took the R's and made them 
growl <laughs> by replacing the word I to kind of take back the derogatory use of the term. So it's kind of like this angry, like, girl, like, riot girl, you know? I, yes. <laughs> I just love that, that it's clever, but it's so subtle. I know. I love it, too. There's this quote from a New York Times article about the riot girl movement that I really liked. I'm just going to read this quote because I loved it but it said politically yeah. riot girl blasted feminism into the future centering the needs of a new generation via direct action strategies witty mantras and slogans such as girl power and support girl love it became one of the most visible branches of what was dubbed third wave feminism but materially the music was old school arguably the last blast of a pre-digital age the mantra of the day was do it yourself if you wrote a good song you recorded it as quickly and cheaply as you could then pressed it up and stuck it inside some cut up graphic style paper sleeve i think that summarizes it really well of like what they were doing but also like the music that they were making and just like the whole i don't know vibe of what they were doing i, I feel weird using the word vibe but that's all i got right now <laughs> that's kind of what it was though it's yeah. like yeah it was this idea of like i don't know if they even really had record labels it was just kind of like you record and you release <laughs> and yeah, and that's kind of what we mentioned it a lot, like the DIY infrastructure, was, which was so funny because I didn't think like DIY was really a thing until later. No, I thought I was just kind of assumed because like nowadays we all have laptops with at least GarageBand on it, you know, so literally mm -hmm. anyone could make music if they have a MacBook. So I didn't really think that it was much before that. So I thought it was cool to like read about the fact that it was DIY even then, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. One of my favorite things about the Riot Girl movement is the zines. Yeah. Which is so cool. So like a huge thing in like the punk scene and like the underground music scene was they created like zines, which we've talked about them. They're like small magazines. Uh -huh. And women would use these to like talk about their feminist beliefs and their desires and like different political things and like punk culture. Yeah. And like self-publish them because zines are so easy to self-publish mm -hmm. so they would like hand them out at their concerts and performances and then they promote themselves by like releasing these zines and so zines were like kind of a crucial part to the riot girl movement as well because it was a way for them to talk about the discomfort that they all felt within the music scene and a way to like organize among each other and kind of get away from a lot of the exclusionary male dominated mm -hmm. punk culture that was happening at the time so it was cool it was like giving them a voice in their local punk scenes um through their own like publications and then allowing them to kind of promote their music yeah too. and speaking as like a very non-punk person I admit but I feel like there's nothing like more quote-unquote punk than being like I'm angry about something i even in the group that i'm supposed to belong in i don't feel safe i don't feel respected i don't feel taken seriously so i'm just gonna say it myself i'm gonna create my own publication so that i can say it i'm gonna sell it at my own concerts like i just mm -hmm. feel like what is more anti-establishment than that you know yeah like, as far no, as like exactly. the music that you're making i just feel like it's awesome yeah and the artist in me is like loving it i'm like oh yeah. the crossover between like art and music right here like the fact that they were like we're gonna write and illustrate and produce this like work of art and then hand it out at our music show where we perform more art like ah this is so fun <laughs> so yeah good. no i agree i think it's so <laughs> yeah. cool of like how art and writing and just creativity in general just can intersect because I think that like didn't they start out with the zines and then it became mm -hmm. music so it's yeah. just like they were just creative people with a lot to say and it's mm -hmm. I just love how it's like they just created it didn't matter if they were musicians or writers or this it was you know let me spill it out with what I'm gonna say cool now I'm actually gonna do music about it yeah no it's so cool so um Riot Girl of course was inspired by like their own angst with everything that was happening yeah but there was also a lot of groundbreaking female punk and mainstream rock performers from mm -hmm. the 1970s to the 1980s because of of course as long as punk has been around there's been females in punk yeah they just weren't getting as much attention than as obviously a lot of the men did and totally. still continue to. 
So even though a lot of those musicians in those early periods weren't originally associated with Riot Girl because Riot Girl didn't exist yet, um, now it's kind of all grouped together as kind of this like pre, during, and post Riot Girl movement mm-hmm. um, that grouped all of these people together with like the different things that they were doing in their music mm-hmm. um, that kind of helped inspire and continue the legend of Riot Girl. So some of that includes like the Slits, Kim Deal, Kim Gordon, Joan Jett, Polly Styrene, Janis Joplin, Susie Sue, and more. And I think that's like important to distinguish. It's like this movement of Riot Girl wasn't the beginning of women in punk or the beginning of women performers. I think it like started out as just people who were in the scene and who appreciated this music was just like, okay, enough's enough you know and also too it's like i think the women that were associated with this movement too it's not like they like they were fans of bands with men in them you know it was just like but how safe do they feel going to the shows how respected do they feel in their opinions yeah and as performers like were they getting the same amount of attention as male performers Mm -hmm. like probably not it reminds me a lot of we did an episode on the gorilla girls and this movement like reminds me a lot of that like gorilla girls was kind of the art version of it where they were like this is dumb like historically women have always been there like why aren't we recognizing them and kind of calling out museums um for not paying attention to women in art Mm -hmm. and so this kind of feels like the underground like punk version of that where it's like okay, women in punk aren't being recognized and punk's supposed to be inclusive of everyone. So, like, what's going on here? Totally. And kind of calling it out. Um, There was a very specific zine. zine. Oh, my gosh. It's zine. zine. Yeah, you're I, good. For the longest <laughs> time, whenever I would, like, read it, I always pronounced it as zine in my head. And it mm-hmm. was actually when we were talking about them one time and you said zine, and I was like, Oh, like magazine. <laughs> like it's not a yeah. sign. <laughs> it's it's a okay. Zine. You're not alone. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a moment of like, oh, cool. And so now I've known for the last couple months. Yeah, because we want to do it more than a museum one day. Mm-hmm. So just putting oh, that I out know. there really quick. But want to so badly. That's when you I would learned buy it. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, if you would buy it, then like, I don't know what to do. Leave a review or something. Leave a review <laughs> if you think a zine would be cool. That's it. Or, or like comment an emoji or something on our post. A pink heart or a green heart. Yeah, a green heart. Do a, a green, green heart, heart if you would read a, a zine from us. Because it could be so cool. But And I, also because Donnie's an amazing an graphic designer. So, yeah, it will be very cool. Oh, and I have so many ideas, everyone. So, <laughs> so many ideas. Okay, yes. anyways. Cool. Back to the episode. <laughs> Back to the episode. I feel like I'm kind of all over the place today. Anywho, there's this particular zine that I wanted to mention called Puncture. And this was mm-hmm. edited by Catherine Spielman and Patty Sterling. And there was a specific article that, okay, I'm, I'm annoyed that I could not find this article anywhere on the internet there's books that have the article in it so i want to buy the book so i can eventually read the article but the article was by terry sutton and it's went on to basically be considered like the manifesto of the riot girl movement um and Mm -hmm. it's called it's just called women sex and rock and roll or oh wait no 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 yeah, so Women, Sex, yeah. and Rock and Roll, it's that one. And then there was another article, Women in Rock, an Open Letter, which I really like, yeah. um, which I also couldn't find anywhere either. It's probably in that same book. It's probably in this book. Um, yeah. But there's a quote from it that she said, to me, rock and roll is about lust, lust for feelings. The worst I can say about a band is they're boring. That's why it's crucial that women get up on stage and in part inspire some emotion. So I really loved that, that it's like rock is, you know, rock and roll is about this. And why are we not giving women the position and the place to be able to express this? Yeah, I actually, I found the Riot Girl manifesto. Oh, you did? Oh, yes. So I can read that. Thank heavens I'm still enrolled in school. I could log into JSTOR. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's where it is, everyone. Perks of education. Um, So there's an article or like a small book. I don't know. A journal, I guess is what it's called. Mm -hmm. By um, Jessica Rosenberg and Jatano 
Girofalo. And it's called Signs, Volume 23, Number 3, Feminism and Youth Culture. And it was published in 1998, so probably the end of the Riot Girl movement, mm-hmm. by the University of Chicago Press. And they have a whole chapter on Riot Girl, cool. which was awesome to find and kind of shows like how much of an important role it played because it's even in like an academic article. But here is the declaration that was um, written out by Bikini Kill, who basically founded the Riot Girl movement, and we'll talk about them. So it says, Because us girls crave records and books and fanzines that speak to us, that we feel included in and can understand in our own ways, because we want to make it easier for girls to see, hear each other's work so that we can share strategies and criticize, applaud each other, because we must take over the means of production in order to create our own moanings, Because viewing our work as being connected to our girlfriends' politics, real lives is essential if we're going to figure out what we are doing. Oh, figure out how what we are doing imparts, reflects, perpetuates, or disrupts the status quo. Because we recognize fantasies of instant macho gun revolution as impractical lies meant to keep us simply dreaming instead of becoming our dreams and thus seek to create revolution in our own lives every day by envisioning and creating alternatives to the crappy christian capitalist way of doing things we don't want to mark it as explicit we're sorry you know what it really (laughs) says (laughs) because we want a need to encourage and be encouraged in the face of all of our own insecurities in the face of beer gut boy rock that tells us we can't play our instruments in the face of authorities who say our band zines etc are the worst in the united states and because we don't want to assimilate to someone else's boy standards of what is or isn't Because we are unwilling to falter under claims that we are reactionary, reverse sexists, and not the true punk rock soul crusaders that we know we really are. Because we know that life is much more than physical survival and are patently aware that the punk rock you can do anything idea is crucial to the coming angry girl rock revolution that seeks to save the psychic and cultural lives of girls and women everywhere according to their own terms, not ours. Because we are interested in creating non-hierarchical ways of being and making music, friends and scenes based on communication and understanding instead of competition, and good-bad categorizations. Because doing, reading, seeing, hearing cool things that validate and challenge us can help gain the strength and sense of community that we need in order to figure out how crappy, like racism, ableism, ageism, speciesism, classism, thinism, sexism, anti-Semitism, and heterosexism figures in our own lives. Because we see fostering and supporting girl scenes and girl artists of all kinds as integral to this process. Because we hate capitalism in all its forms and see our main goal as sharing sharing information and staying alive instead of making profits or being cool according to traditional standards. Because we are angry at a society that tells us girl equals dumb, girl equals bad, girl equals weak. Because we are unwilling to let our real invalid anger be diffused and or turned against us via the internalization of sexism as witnessed and girl-girl jealousism and self-defeating girl-type behaviors. Because I believe with my whole heart, mind, and body that girls constitute a revolutionary soul force that can and will change the world for real. Mic drop. Yeah, right? Like long, but like so good. (laughs) So good. I love that. And I feel like it encapsulates kind of everything that they were going for with everything Mm -hmm. that they did is that it was like they were angry that the world was mistreating them and misinterpreting them. And then, like, in the scene that they were supposed to find, like, companionship and belonging and understanding, they couldn't even get it. Yeah. It's like literally joining a group that's like, we are for everyone. And then you find out that they're but not. not you. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's crappy. Because in a lot of ways, you expect the world to be unfair. Yeah. But, like, you expect certain parts of the world to be fair to you especially when they say that they're for you or like you expect like your community to just be there for you yeah anyway so super powerful i will try to link that article but if you don't want to pay for it and you aren't a student then i'll be able to read all of it so sorry i'm so glad you're able to find that i was so sad that i couldn't find it anywhere yeah which like i'm probably eventually gonna buy one of the books that it's in so i can you know have it but for now i just didn't 
didn't have it. I was bummed. One more quote from that article that I wanted to share. Oh, yeah. This one's shorter. But she says, at a time in their lives when girls are taught to be silent, Riot Girl demands they scream. Mm, I like that one. That's good. Uh And I was like, oh, that's so powerful. Like, that's a great way to sum it up. Okay, so are we going to talk about some of the bands then? Yes. Really quick, though. This note you have in here by the late 90s girl power. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. Okay, I have to make this little note here. So I always associate girl power with, like, pop princess bubblegum Mm -hmm. pop. Um, Riot Girl was the first ones to use the phrase girl power, apparently, in their zines. But it started being used by other pop sensations like the Spice Girls. And some people like claim that that's the that was like the end of the Riot Girl movement. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, there's some people that say, no, it never ended. But I think it's so interesting that the concept of girl power, which eventually turned into girl boss, boss, babe, it originally was a punk term. Is there like a way to reclaim that? that? Because if you think about the way that it originated, that's so powerful. And I hate that people have kind of turned it into like a cliche. Now, if I was to say like girl power, it'd be like, okay, shut up. So I kind of like that. I like the roots that it has. Like the history behind it makes it so much cooler. It makes it cool again. Yeah. So if you ever say girl power, no shame in it. It's not as lame as you think. Definitely. Anyway, um, also there was one more zine that was really profound during this time. It was Jigsaw that started being published oh, in 1989. Yeah. And that was by Toby Vale and Kathy Wilcox. And because mm-hmm. they started writing this zine together and Kathleen Hannah came upon the zine and was like, oh, this really resonates with me. They ended up forming Bikini Kill. Yeah. So they're like largely considered they pioneers of the riot girl movement them and bratmobile so let's talk about those two because they were kind of the ones who started it all we're gonna take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists so today i'm gonna shout out a zine actually felt appropriate um this one is one that i've been following which is just called unfiltered magazine which is a creative space um it's a print plus a digital publication for your stories and your thoughts. This just comes from their website, just from their about us. And um, it's just, we are an independent zine founded in 2020. Our goal is to create a safe space for creators to share their work and inspire other creators. Our overall focus is to shed light on what we don't show on the outside, ideas and thoughts that stray away from social constructs and expectations. Everyone experiences struggles and discouragement in different ways, and we want to use our platform to bridge the physical gap to bring readers and creators together. We encourage you to contribute your work and your thoughts behind the scene. Whatever you have to say, we will listen. No fear, no judgment. Everything unfiltered. Submit your work or leave an anonymous note, which I think is really cool. And then if you go just to their Instagram, for one thing, it's just a very nice feed to look at. They're always posting things. They take submissions for their zines, which I think is really cool. Um, I don't know if it was started by women, but they feature a lot of women, which is really cool. What's it called again? And it's just unfiltered zine. And that's them on Instagram. Awesome. And yeah, they're really cool. They have a couple issues out that you can um, purchase. Or like I said, they take submissions, which is really cool. That is cool. Um, Another publication that I'll shout out really quick it's called Art Maze Mag and that's on there it's a London based magazine Um, I know they're kind of a little bit more fine art focused but yeah they do calls for art and same thing I don't know if it's founded by women but they feature a lot of women so (laughs) yeah definitely check it out as well because yes they have a ton of cool stuff. I get their emails and they're always really interesting as well. So if you want to be on their email list, definitely Ooh, good to know. do that. And then one more, there is an account called This Is Alice Skinner, which I have just barely found. But she is an illustrator and visual artist and apparently does a ton of feminist art and captions. Cool. So check her out. So she's awesome. Um, Like I said, I just barely started following her, but she talks a lot about just different things that I feel like are all really relatable. She releases t-shirts. Her illustrations are just really cool. 
as well. So check them all out. And a reminder that if you want to promote yourself or anyone you know, then just send us a DM on Instagram or you can even email us if you want to. And we would Mm -hmm. love to feature people. All right, now back to the show. So, yeah, Bikini Kill, like you mentioned, was Kathleen Hanna, Toby Vale, and Kathy Wilcox. They were all in Olympia, Washington during the 1880s. Hannah worked at Rico Muse, a small collection art gallery that would have a lot of local bands play at these art ex- exhibits. Which sounds amazing once again. I know. I love that. <laughs> um, apparently, that's where she met Vale after booking her band, The Go Team. And at the same time, she was writing the Jigsaw Veen. Vi- oh, my mm-hmm. heavens. Jigsaw Zine that we mentioned and then working with Kathy Wilcox. Yes. So that's how they all came connected. Vale wrote it in uh, her Jigsaw Zine. She wrote, I feel completely left out of the realm of everything that is so important to me. And I know this is partly because punk rock is for and by boys mostly. And partly because punk rock of this generation is coming of age in a time of mindless career goal bands. Mm. So it kind of shows where she was at with the punk movement, which like we talked about, it felt like it was for and by boys. And yet that's what she enjoyed was punk music. And then she also felt like punk rock was evolving into this kind of career focused era that like it was supposed to be anti-capitalism and now it suddenly became all about capitalism. Yeah, and that would be hard if like, like I, we talked about, like punk was supposed to be for everyone, like anti-capitalism, anti-establishment. And instead it was yeah. becoming everything that they had talked about it being. Against. Yeah. So that would be yeah. a difficult time to be a part of that. <laughs> so yeah, they came together. They began the first ca- collaboration on the Bikini Kill zine during their first tour in 91. Mm-hmm. They wrote songs all together, encouraged a female-centric environment at their shows, um, which I love. They urged women to come to the front of the stage, and they handed out lyric yes. sheets, uh, which I love that like, they encouraged women oh, to come to My the favorite part front. about it is that they were like, they understood themselves at, as concert goers, like how dangerous mm-hmm. mosh pitting is for yeah. girls. And we talked about this a little bit in our fangirl episode, but especially in the book about fangirls, it talked about how... Um, women tend to go towards the edges because they don't want to be stuck mm-hmm. in the mosh pit. And if you've ever been in one, you yeah. understand why. Like, it's not It's horrifying. Safe. It's terrifying. Like, when there's men, like, full-grown men in a mosh pit, like, going hard, like, you could get trampled so fast. And it's not safe for female fans. And so the fact that she was, like, girls to the front, it was her way of, like, protecting their female fans from like the mosh pits but also understanding like that need to like kind of be mm-hmm. out of the dangerous part of the crowd and that's what i thought so cool is like they made it their goal to encourage women to be a part of this scene. yes um also apparently she would stage dive into the crowds to personally remove male hecklers who would often verbally and physically assault her during shows yeah. which mind-blowing to me but the band's reach did include a large male audience in addition to their target audience which is like cool that i think it's like finally it was like guys were like oh this is cool (laughs) i know i read a comment on a youtube video so it could very well be false (laughs) i have no idea if it's true or not but they talked about how um one of the original bands i think it was either bratmobile or bikini kill they had a male heckler Mm -hmm. who stabbed one of them and they went and got wrapped up and then went back and finished their set because, yeah, what? after it got removed. So it was kind of, it was definitely like not a very easy time for them to be doing what they were doing. And I think they were really mm-hmm. hated. I think they even talked about it. Yeah. Kathleen Hanna um, talked about how they were very vilified, like. Yeah, so that's what I was going to mm-hmm. say, that, like, even though they've been, like, received a lot of acclaim now, and, like, I think in retrospect, we, like, recognize them as this pioneers of the movement. Like, at the time, they were really criticized for excluding men, and I guess Rolling Stones described their first album as yowling and moronic nag unto vomit tantrums. Which is hilarious, what? because now Rolling Stone has done, like, articles on the Riot Girl movement and how important it was. So, also another thing is like I don't think I've ever heard anyone be criticized for having a primarily male audience, mm-hmm. you know? 
But yet it seems to be a problem if they're creating space specifically for women. But it's like, but if women didn't have a place in the punk scene, who, what else are they supposed no, to do? No, I completely agree. Like, have you heard of, have you ever met a female whose favorite band was Led Zeppelin? Because... I don't know. Actually. I haven't. I don't think so. If it is, then that's awesome. But like, I feel like Led Zeppelin definitely appeals a lot to men and they have a lot of male fans. And yet no one's like, oh, you're an all male band and you sing primarily about the male point of view and you have completely male fans. For the male yeah. audience, for the male struggles in life. It's like, like how dare yeah, you? I've never you're heard excluding that everyone else. And it's like, oh my gosh, okay. And I don't even think they were trying to exclude men necessarily. They were just trying to empower the women who were there. And also like get rid of the men that were heckling them, which like good. Yeah. No, Kathleen Hanna even said, um, she was like, my joke is always like, I didn't just hit the glass ceiling. I pressed my naked breasts up against it. (laughs) They also kind of tended to do like a media blackout. So they avoided attention from mainstream media um, because they were so worried about Riot Girl becoming like a corporate enterprise kind of deal, which makes sense when Mm -hmm. they saw punk going that direction. Um, however, when they did do interviews, they often made the movement out to be bigger than it was. So they would like claim that the music scene existed all across the United States when at the time, like it was pretty much just central to the north. Like Oregon. And, yeah. yeah. But this helped encourage the movement to move faster because then people who were interested mm. in them would like seek out the scene. They'd be like, wait, where is this local scene of Riot Girl?" And then when they couldn't find them, they ended up kind of creating it on their own. So it helped the movement spread faster because they were like, oh, like, it's everywhere. And then people were like, oh, well, where Mm -hmm. is it? And then they would end up creating it on their own. The truth is, the feelings were probably everywhere. Yeah. It just, they just had to take the music there. Definitely. So I think it helped kind of create this whole subculture even faster than it would have been on its own cool well yeah so that was like the main band though that started this which was bikini kill oh one song everyone will probably recognize by bikini kill i feel like it's their most popular it's the rebel girl rebel girl rebel girl you are the queen of my world like i feel like that one's their most common and i think i've heard it in movies or something even as like a background song totally so it's the first Mm -hmm. one on the playlist because it kind of started a lot of things um so yeah like that's kind of their major song that i feel like you'll recognize and you could associate with this movement okay now the bratmobile which i am just a huge fan of that name like how did they come up with that so they are from eugene oregon they're a first generation riot girl band that became the second most prominent founding voice of this movement which we mentioned 1990 university of Oregon students Allison Wolf, Molly Newman, and Jen Smith um, were collaboration collaborating on a feminist scene, Girl Germs, and that's when they were ta- talking on sexism in their local music scene. Um, and then in 1991, Jen and Christina Belot joined Wolf and Newman in Bratmobile when they temporarily relocated to Washington D.C., which I thought was interesting. Apparently, Jen wrote in a letter to wolf like we need to start a girl riot mm-hmm. and riot is in all caps which is great and then apparently jen proposed they collaborate with members of bikini kill on a zine called girl riot they changed the zine she changed its title to riot girl which is the yes. name of course of the movement which was provided a whole network of for young women in the wider music scene gave the movement its name which i think is huge right it trademarked the idea of what this mm-hmm. all was and then, of course, this gave exposure to Bikini Kill and the Bratmobile, inspired other Riot Girl factions to spring up around the country um, in their own, like, regional music scenes just across America, which I thought was really yeah. cool. Yeah, and one of the things that I love the most is that Riot Girl as a whole was kind of celebrating and normalizing female anger. Um, which yeah. is something that like I never thought about before, but since we've started this podcast, it keeps coming up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of how uh-huh. girls should be allowed to be angry. Like they need that outlet, mm-hmm. and part of like why I love Olivia Rodrigo's new album so much is that it's like female rage. Like that's so important. Yeah, like teenage rage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's kind of why they, um, I think connected so much with the word riot. 
um, because it was like this, like allowing women to be angry, like allowing women to be loud and take up space. And um, they would often, they got really, really involved in politics too, which makes sense. So they protested in the name of um, simpatico causes. So anything that had to do with like abortion restrictions, sexual abuse, eating disorders, um, they would write words on their stomachs at performances and protests, hoist signs. Um, they would boycott mainstream record labels and cultural influences. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them ate vegetarian in order to, you know, like help the environment out. And then they often avoided alcohol and drugs as well, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Yeah, they got really involved in it. Um, I think in one of the videos I watched, they talked about how they were really inspired by the race riots that were happening. So to give credit there, where it is due, that I feel like every music scene was in some way inspired by black inspired. Americans. Yeah. <laughs> so, True. yeah. Um, and that's one criticism that has happened with Riot Girl is that they claim that they weren't inclusive enough of uh, people of color. And... I yeah. read a lot of criticism and I understand. And then I let a, read a lot that talked about with underground movements and word of mouth being the only way it was spread. It was kind of hard, like, because white girls would tell white girls who would tell more white girls. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of an issue that I think social media is able to solve in a lot of ways because we're able to connect with people who aren't in our demographic. Um, but yeah, yeah that true. is one of the criticisms of them at that time. So yeah, those are the two major bands oh i really like this article that i just read um it was just someone just talking about it's an article from the new york public library mm -hmm. um the riot girl movement and there's this quote that i really liked it was from someone the author is um by stevie um feliciano mm -hmm. and i just said while i was sitting in the audience i thought about my first encounter with the riot girl movement for her reference she went to a independent bookstore that there was a reading of the riot girl collection so that's what she's talking about. Um, I thought about my first encounter with the Riot Girl movement. I was 13 years old when I first heard the song Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill. After hearing the song, I knew I wanted more. It led me to other bands like Bratmobile, Sleaterkinney, The, the Gits, mm -hmm. I believe, Heaven to Betsy's, La Tigre, and Team Dresh. Soon after I got into the zines associated with the movement, the music and the literature provided me with a different way of thinking about beauty and sexuality. It taught me that I didn't need to assimilate to somebody else's standards and that the punk rock idea that you could do anything just didn't apply to the boys, which I really like. I love takeaway. that, actually. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just like a cool way that you can see that like someone was directly inspired by the movement. And if, you know, of course, how I'm sure a lot of people were inspired by the movement, movement, excuse me, and just show that how it had an important effect. Yeah. Um, of course, with Riot Girl, we talked about some of the criticism. There was also a ton of hatred involved with it. Um, in large part, a lot of people assume now that it was just because the media didn't know what to do with it because it talked about female anger and female sexuality, mm. which seemed like a threat, but also was very curious <laughs> at the time. And so a lot of the times Riot Girl was just categorized as feminist fury, in-your-face feminism, and mean, mad, and defiantly underground. So I think that kind of... I honestly think that this is kind of a lot of where the trope of like the angry feminist female comes from. Like the bra burning feminist. Yeah. yeah. Is just how people really pictured the riot girl movement at that time of like the early and mid nineties. There was actually a 1993 17 magazine article where they kind of seemed like they were bent on disabling the movement. So they accused it of ugliness, misandry, and having a militant slant. Yeah, and they, like, criticized the hygiene. So they were like, they don't shave, they give each other bad haircuts, and kind of contributed to this idea that, like, women who don't conform to mainstream beauty standards aren't real women. Nice. So they called them, like, combat boot-wearing man-haters, angry rape and incest survivors, former sex workers, and caricatures of girlhood. Which, oh my gosh, that's all different kinds of levels. Of yeah, which is weird coming from a women's magazine as well. Like, so, of course, this just kind of continued the anger. <laughs> Duh. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but a lot of people think that what contributed to the demise of the Riot Girl movement was once it started to get more attention, it kind of um, merged in with popular culture. 
Someone said that Riot Girl created a greater acknowledgement of female anger, messiness, and fierceness, and that there was no attention to angry women before Riot Girl, and after Riot Girl, there was an attention. So kind of cool that it was able to make that difference and that it continued on its way. And I do think that female rage was more of a thing for like a while. I do think it kind of has died a little bit again. But I don't know. Like everyone's kind of obsessed with like Y2K culture right now. So maybe like the Riot Girl will come back. back. I've heard of people talking about it being on TikTok. I'm not on Riot Girl TikTok, but sounds like a cool place. You know, find right girl yeah. TikTok. so also there's tons of books if you are interested in learning more about it there's riding a riot riot girl zines and feminist rhetorics by rebecca j buchanan um mm-hmm. there's a book that we're going to read next month called girls to the front that is like the history of the riot girl movement just to talk about i guess the end of the movement so it kind of all fizzled out by 97 Feminists found new affiliations, new causes, new associations, and Riot Girl was becoming more divisive than like a cohesive altogether movement. Um, But of course, like the ideology, the energy, it reached into culture in all these new expansive ways. I thought it was cool because I watched a video too that like brought up that like Fiona Apple, Mm -hmm. Meredith Brooks, and Alanis Morissette, they kind of were all like, I don't know, the angry that um, came from riot girl like these were the people who came right after that so i thought that was cool and i think also too is like this is when female rage started selling which you know goes back to like they didn't want it to be (laughs) you know something that was sold and consumeristic but it kind of turned into that but i think it just shows that like culture in a way was like ready for that and wanted for that um and this last paragraph that we have here i think is cool this idea that it's like each generation might be a more and more watered down version of it like but the idea of girl power has reached more girls so it's like the big part of their legacy is that it's disappearing into pop culture because it's more that it's becoming the norm rather than the weird outside subculture thing um and it's kind of like we talked about at the beginning that's like what was underground in the early 90s has surfaced above ground since Mm -hmm. then so definitely like alternative culture in the 90s was co-opted and made into pop culture so i think that's like a cool way of thinking of it if it's like it didn't disappear it just became it was normalized which is a word people throw around on tiktok all the time but they normalized girl power and now it's kind of back to being to bring in another tiktok word i hate now it's (laughs) so (laughs) that's such a horrible word i know i hate it yeah But no, definitely. And I think there's like a lot of important things to remember that the Riot Girl movement did with their music specifically. Mm -hmm. The playlist I created is not family friendly. um, So don't listen to it with your children. There you go. I'm just going to say that. Unless you have really cool children. (laughs) (laughs) Because a few of the things they did were actually really surprising. Um, One thing that is a major theme was that a lot of members of the band use it to... Um, express a lot of queer culture so Mm -hmm. um, they came out with music that would talk about being gay and being like a lesbian or bi in in that time period there's a song called only straight girls wear dresses by cw which is hilarious yeah and she talks about how that idea of like this idea that gay girls all wore pants and how like no you can be feminine and be gay and that's possible. They also talk a lot about like sexual abuse or assault. Um, there's a song called Dead Men Don't Rape by Seven Year B Word um, where they talk about that as well. And then I'm trying to remember all the other ones that I read. You can go into it a lot. Like if you look at any article about the Riot Girl movement music, it talks about a lot of the themes that they were able to push in their music that were really important and kind of unheard of at the time. Do you have any thoughts about the music, Sadie, when you were listening to it? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's not obviously the kind of music I just listen to on the daily, Mm -hmm. but I think the cool thing about the music is it's like it did just such a good job at invoking those emotions. And like, 
And I loved the DIY feel of it. Like it wasn't supposed to be professional. It wasn't supposed to be the most perfectly well done piece of art. And I think it benefited from that because you could just really feel the grit in it. Yeah. Because it was like, it was really all about expressing the the emotions and getting the anger out. And so the fact that it's like, it wasn't in that... Like, it's like that TikTok group, Tramps Tams, mm-hmm. you know, where they had the super vulgar lyrics, but like everything was so curated. Everything was so polished that it just came across as tacky. Whereas these women in actual riot girl culture writing these lyrics, like it was actually coming from a gritty, genuine place. And the music, the aesthetics, the zines, like everything matched it together and that's why it worked. And that's why when you listen to it, you're just like sucked into mm-hmm. that emotion. And you're just like, yeah, I feel like you have to be in like the right mindset. It's like perfect angry music. Definitely. So yeah, that's why I'm like, <laughs> I think I might enjoy running if I go on a Ooh, run to this playlist. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I also think like. If you start the playlist and you hear a song that you don't like, like, first off, give it a little bit of time. Because sometimes the beginning of the song was weird, but then it would, like, go into something that I was like, oh, okay, like, I can jam to this. <laughs> and it's, like, it's just such a specific sound yeah. that it's, like, you just kind of It have takes to get some getting used to. Used to. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of, like, mainstream music that sounds like this anymore. And it's just so 90s grungy. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's definitely different. For sure. And like you said, I don't think I would like sit down to like work at my computer and like put on Riot Girl. <laughs> but like, oh, I can tell there there is a time and place in my life where this mu- music will be. Oh, used. yeah, definitely. So, so time and place. They did an amazing job with everything that they were working they on. And I think it really did make a huge difference on the American music scene. I remember reading at some mm-hmm. point that Nirvana knew the members of bikini kill and they like they were really inspired by them well yeah that's what i saw i read something too that it's like without riot girl there would be no kurt cobain kurt cobain yeah nirvana has a song called smells like teen spirit and so kathleen hannah who was a member of bikini kill actually wrote on kurt cobain's wall kurt smells like teen spirit and it helped inspire Nirvana's song smells like teen spirit which I feel like everyone knows that song yeah but definitely check it out like there's so much more I'm sure we missed out on something that always tends to be the case um but I love that we were able to even just scratch the surface and to begin talking about this because it definitely played an important role in like the future of like punk rock music and obviously girl power women in those spaces yeah Check out the playlist, check out her podcast, check out more about it. And we will be reading the Girls to the Front book next month. So if you want to learn more about Riot Girl with us, then buy the book and read it with us. And we'll have another episode talking more about that book at the end of next month. Well, hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about Riot Girl today. Like Stani mentioned, definitely go listen to the music. And yeah, if you've been a fan of the podcast subscribe follow us on instagram just at more than amused podcast and oh we also have a newsletter that you can subscribe yes. to we haven't mentioned that in a couple episodes no, please so do. if you go to the link in our bio we'll have it in the show notes as well but that's just where we basically just talk more about what we talk about here so if you're enjoying it sign up for the newsletter and you'll hear more from us at the end of the yeah, month it's a good time we're loving this little community that we are getting and you guys say the nicest things so just thank you the nicest it literally makes our day every time you dm us or leave a review or anything and just say like and the nicest every time it happens there is a screenshot sent one to the other tear emojis yes so we're so grateful (laughs) like we've said it multiple times we'd keep doing this even if no one was listening just because it's wonderful like i feel like i'm educating myself more and more on like people Mm -hmm. and important movements and like History is so important for our future. Yeah. So I just think it's wonderful. But it's so nice to know that there's people out there who care just as much as we do about everything that we are interested in. (laughs) So we're just grateful. Well, we will see you back again next Mm -hmm. week. I will be presenting on an artist. Yes. A unknown artist from history. Oh, 
we will catch and you. we oh, will say this yes. on the instagram as well but also just a notice here our book episode for this month is going to be late because i'm oh, yeah. going camping so it, instead of coming out this coming wednesday like it usually would be it's coming out next week so it'll be coming out the first week of august rather than the last week of july so if you're wondering where that's exactly. at that's where it is that's all talk to you next bye week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.